persistence culture. Persistence, firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Culture, the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. Keep moving. This is Persistence Culture. We are a lifestyle brand changing lives all over the world. I am your co-host Mambo and we got your host Jason. What is up, Jason? Mambo, what's going on today, big dog? How you doing? Uh, different setup today in the yeah. studio, but yeah. uh, you know, I'll get used to it as yeah. the show goes on. Definitely, definitely. We're working through the working through the kinks, but uh, the the couches are comfortable uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm digging it so far now that we got everything set up. So uh, we're on to another one, my man. Yes, another dope guest. Who do we have today? <laughs> another, another dope, dope guest coming to us live in the Persistence Culture Studios. Today's guest is an 805 native with a passion for safety and protection. He has provided security services for some of the world's most at-risk individuals, and he is a range safety officer and a DOJ NRA certified firearms instructor and is teaching people all over Southern California how to perform safe firearm practices. We have the founder and CEO of Gray Firearms Training and Defense, Colby Dundas in studio. What's up, Colby? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, definitely. We're we're excited to have you, man. How's your how's your Thursday going? How's your Friday Junior doing? Oh, Thursday's great. You know, we're gearing up for the weekend. Weekends are always busy for us. We got a lot of training sessions going on, and uh, this weekend, as you know, is the gun show. Oh yeah, yeah. Gun show is in town. So is that is that something that you try to attend every year? Because uh, from from some of the OGs of the area, I've heard that it's kind of uh, dwindled off over past years. You know, this is going to be a big one here this weekend. This is the last legal gun show in, on Ventura County Fairgrounds since uh, new legislation was passed in California. Oh, no. It's so the last one? Wow. The last one. You know, so we'll have to get a private venue here next time. But uh, we do try to have a booth set up at the majority of these gun shows. Damn, I didn't know that, man. I didn't know they even took it away from allowed to have gun shows. What's the, what is the reasoning behind that, man? It's a, it's a hot political issue right now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you could say that again, brother. You could say that again. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm really big at saying that uh, to all my classes, especially because my students come from both sides of the aisle. So one of the first things that we say, and especially in our level one classes, is that you know, hey, was your car political that brought you here today? Yeah. No, because it had to use right. So I don't want to hear anything about politics when you're here on the range because guns here are not political. Everybody here has an interest in self defense, and everybody through the COVID nineteen pandemic and uh, all of the civil unrest has seen that cops are not always there to respond to you when you need them. So we have a lot of people that are scared that are buying guns for the first time that had never even thought about buying a gun, nor did they want one for the first time in their lives, are now going out and getting them. And they're looking to get trained. And I love that. I want to teach everybody who can get a hold of one and everyone who has an interest in safety. That's good. I mean, to me, it's a right for a reason. I feel like you should exercise that right and you should feel confident when you choose to exercise that right. So I think what you're doing is in incredibly noble and it's, it's really cool that that kind of service is right here in our backyard too. So I dig that, man. Yeah, thank you. So, so big props to you. Um, but be, before, before you got into, you know, the pri private firearms training, you got into private security. What, when did you realize that that was something you wanted to pursue? Yeah, that was an interesting journey. See, uh, after I graduated college, I got into uh, security consulting. So I did that for about five years and I was running a sales team and we were doing uh, consulting for uh, uh, corporate entities and government entities uh, with uh, access control, intrusion alarm, uh, surveillance systems, and also fire alarm. And uh, it was during that time that I started carrying a firearm uh, for, for a few years, uh, just for my own personal protection in some of the places we were going. And um, that started to heighten my awareness a little bit about, uh, uh, about safe firearms practices and how to operate in public with a firearm. And uh, after a, a, time, a certain amount of time passed, I decided, you know, hey, I'm, I really wanted to pursue law enforcement. So I was going to go out and start uh, testing with multiple different agencies around here. And it was what well, kind of law enforcement were you thinking? Just local local police officer or I, something more than that? I applied for government. I, I applied for local municipal uh, police departments, some sheriff's departments. And uh, uh, in the process, I actually ended up finding uh, the firm I ended up going to do uh, executive protection with. And, uh, you know, I needed a job at the point because I was in between jobs and uh, they were the first person to give me an offer and it happened to be more lucrative than law enforcement. So I said, hey, sign me up. Let's nice. do this. Yeah, yeah. No, finance always drives the ship for me too, man. I mean, you got to have some passion, but also, you know, being able to provide for yourself and any family members and things like that is definitely got to be a key. So uh, that's cool that you found that out. But before we get into the executive protection, I was curious though, like, so when you say that you were in the consulting services for security, what does that entail? 
Uh, so that's more about uh, working with uh, um, uh, working with different businesses or government entities and uh, going in and doing threat assessments, uh, talking to them about what their concerns are about their building or their personnel and uh, outfitting their building or providing them with a proposal to ultimately equip their building uh, so that way they can uh, uh, lock down their facilities and also manage access control, uh, also have great surveillance systems to be able to manage for HR issues or even uh, potential burglaries. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't see, I wasn't even really thinking of it from a business mindset. Uh, the, my employer out, outside of here, uh, they definitely have gone through, I'm sure something like that. Cause there's all different kinds of gate and badge access and lockdown rooms and things like that. So that, that sounds like it must've been pretty cool going through that. I loved it. Um, it was great. Uh, it really got my mind thinking in terms of, uh, of outside threats and how to make sure that you're safe, uh, internally, or at least, hedging against any potential uh, problems that could arise. And if they did, what's going to put you in the best circumstance to be ultimately as safe as possible? You know, I took that, uh, took that to heart uh, when it came down to uh, um, uh, even outfitting my own uh, personal residence, making sure I've got a surveillance system uh, for the outside just for, uh, uh, just for monitoring my full uh, 360 perimeter and uh, also an intrusion alarm. So when you go to bed at night, you know, what's going to alert you that someone's uh, cracking a door? Or a window. I'm a heavy sleeper. Yeah. I'm and hoping my dog, <laughs> but, but you know what? Dogs can be unreliable at times. I've got a Doberman, but yeah. you know, that dog likes to be pet, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't count on that. Yeah, that's you what know, I'm saying. My yeah. wife and I want to know that uh, when uh, when an alarm goes off, it's uh, it's, it's go time and we got to kick into our backup plan. Yeah, that, that, that's good to have that mentality and you, you really do, you really do need it. And I hate to say like nowadays, you always, you always need it, you know, and I feel like there's more of a heightened sense of it. You know, I always think of like a lot of these like mass crimes and stuff like that. And the mass murderers that were just sneaking into people's houses and stuff like that. It was before we had these capabilities. So it's like, why not utilize them now? I'd say that uh, these capabilities have been around for a long time. I mean, they might not have looked as sexy as uh-huh. they do now, but I mean, even going back to the 80s, people had alarm systems, no problem. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, whether or not it's popular or not. You, uh, you have a lot of companies that are going out there in mass and uh, and uh, uh, marketing, you know, hey, I'll give you, uh, you know, three door contacts and a motion detector and 99 bucks a month and we'll monitor. It's like, you know, hey, that's that opened to the door for a lot of people. But is that actually going to equip you? So yeah. that's where I, that's where I really uh, developed a passion for personal protection, at least initially. But then, of course, it really took off when I got into executive protection. I started uh, associating myself with a lot of people I was working with that uh, changed my world. So do you think that, how, how did you transition into executive professionalism through the consulting services you were going through, maybe setting things up for businesses and then you got some clientele that way or is that how it works? Uh, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, like I said, when I went out for law enforcement, I started, uh, I started looking for different places to go get a job, uh, after that, uh, after I had left that, uh, that prior career. Um, but getting into executive protection was definitely a, a very interesting adventure in my life. Um, it's never, it's not something I ever planned on doing. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, definitely an incredible experience that I look back on, uh, uh, with a lot of, uh, joy because I got to meet some pretty incredible people. Yeah. Well, you gave me a quick little bio cause I like just a little something for show prep and I, I like how you use the term, some of the most at risk individuals. And that just like caught my ear. Um, but before we get into who, who, who they may have been, obviously without saying anybody, um, uh, what was the interesting journey on how'd you, how'd you land on it? Tell me the story behind it. Uh, well, um, after you go throughout the recruitment process, the way this particular business worked is uh, they say, hey, you know, uh, we're willing to give a, give you a go. You have to pass our academy to get a oh. job offer. And that academy is not, it's not easy. It's, uh, so I said, you know, all right, let's give it a go. It's a 10-day academy. I went there, and uh, they put you through all kinds of different trials. They see how you perform. They monitor, and all the instructors decide uh, whether you're a yay or an A, and they give you a job offer at the end, or they don't. Okay, is it mostly like physical? I mean, you seem like a pretty fit dude. You seem like you'd be able to handle something f- more more physical based. Uh, it's uh, it's physical. It's mental. It's stress. Uh, it's uh, it's stress inoculation. Uh, so uh, I mean, how are you going to perform? Are you going to be able to handcuff somebody after they pepper spray you in the face or throw a dog at you? And uh, you know, good luck. You know, for shooting sim rounds at you, how are you going to be able to perform? You know, basically they're trying to assess is uh, is how are you going to be able to perform under stress, especially if it comes down to protecting a protectee. Damn. Okay. Right. Yeah, that sounds intense, man. It was, you know, it was great. It was eye-opening uh, because that was my first exposure to that kind of environment. As you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not prior military. I'm not prior law enforcement. Uh-huh. So this was my first exposure to that kind of world where 
it was dominated by military and law enforcement individuals. Yeah, it sounds like it would be. So I was like, this is great, man. I love this. Let's uh, let's go. Hell yeah. Now, because as soon as you said like pepper spray, I have one experience with not necessarily pepper spray, but it was like these like tablets in, in, in boot camp. And you basically have to just basically like ex- they, they do it to you for only like reasons to experience the the pain, like literally. And they, they, they start like putting on these hot plates. So they start to like whatever the whatever the tablets are, I have no idea. Uh, but they start to like, you know, create like this smoke in this air like like a form of pepper spray and man as soon as it hits you like you're supposed to like go through this through this thing and talk while it's going on and my god man i about fell out like fucking five seconds into (laughs) it man so i couldn't imagine if they were like all right now wrestle this dude down and handcuff his ass so yeah props to you if you're (laughs) you're able to get through some shit like that man that's that's cool when you lose some of your senses uh some different sides of you come out yeah 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 so you learn some things about yourself going through the academy oh yeah 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 good stuff yeah that 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 is that is really cool so so now once you get through there do they assign you clientele or you get to kind of go out and like uh freelance uh no you're assigned to a particular client okay and it's based upon uh, uh your geography and how you performed and how you'll fit in with a particular team Okay, so were you a part of a team or were you an individual security? Yep, I was a part of a team, a team assigned to a particular client. Okay, and uh, did they try to keep you like local based or were you traveling all over the world? How, how'd that work? You go where the client goes. Okay, cool. So you're just like straight up personal detail, like straight up bodyguard. Your client goes to the club, Colby's going clubbing that night. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. What kind of clients are they? Um, well, we are on a 55-year confidentiality contract, so there's not a lot you can say about the clients, but uh, you have to figure, like I said, uh, some of the at-most risk individuals. Uh, so basically, if uh, if something happened to our client, it might impact your life. Wow. So, so, so stars or celebrities or something like that? I'd say we're, we, you know, those are, those are among some of the clientele, but, uh, we generally dealt with a little bit more high profile. Oh, even that, like, so like CEO levels, like just straight up. Just all over the board. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's cool. You got some stories you're waiting for that 55 year mark to end or what? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's just say I'll never be exposed to uh, some of the environments of the world that I was uh, uh, doing some of those details ever again. It's a, it's a different lifestyle entirely. Okay. Okay. So like environments, you mean like li- you basically got to tag along through the lifestyles of the rich and famous in a way then. Yeah. Right? You could say that. Yeah. Damn. That's pretty dope. It's crazy. I I work uh I work in radio and uh sometimes when an artist comes they bring their security and it's we'll we'll go out to lunch and it's crazy to see how they just go sit and mind their business somewhere else. But you know, I know they're with the, you know, the artists that 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 we're having lunch with. And uh w- one time I was having a combo with one of the guys and I I asked him like, "Why does he sit like we try to invite him, but he's working. He's just you could tell like he's he's busy." monitoring who's coming in like everyone that walked in like he looked like a certain way and i was like man this dude's like really watching everything yeah the interesting part and uh about that career is it's actually uh some of the training that you'll get and something that i like to try and instill in people when i meet them or i'm talking to them a lot about is situational awareness you're learning to calculate everything around you and listen to what your brain is telling you in order to play into your intuition, which is ultimately going to help you predict outcomes. So in other words, you're looking two to three moves ahead so that way you're not caught off guard. It's proactive versus reactive. I like that mindset. Yeah. So so with that, with that being said, like how did you take something that you learned from the consulting services, right? Where let's say I am, you know, Mr. Jones, and I run this company, we have this building, uh, but I'm worried one day maybe one of my pissed off employees I fire is going to come in here and go Rambo on everybody. And I want to get a security service to make sure if that does happen, at least we minimize any type of casualties or, or, or issues that may happen to our employees. And then how do you take that because it's a place you know out into the field? Mm-hmm. How, See, how does that transition? That's a really interesting uh, uh, question because, you know, there there were a lot of the circumstances whether you're uh, working with a school um, in the consulting uh, um, uh, in the consulting field. If you're working with a school, if you're working with a business and, uh, you know, obviously a popular topic nowadays and, you know, horrible tragedies, there's a lot of uh, active shooters. Yeah, there is. There's and, too many. I mean, and that unfortunately. Was, that was something we had to take into consideration is, hey, what kind of uh, thresholds can I put between you and the outside world in order to have multiple layers of security and ultimately going to protect any, uh, anybody internally, at least uh, for some time, in mm-hmm. order to create time and distance, right? Time and distance equals options. 
Yeah, definitely. With that being said, while we're on the topic, what do you? Why do you think the the hardest place to protect um, from these type of situations is a school? You know, it's unfortunate that's the, that's the main spot you see it happen. And of course, you see the supermarkets and things like that. But unfortunately, it seems like if you if you at least just think in your memory, most of these horrible acts of mass violence and active shooters are always in a school. What makes it so hard for us to protect those areas? Well, without getting into the politics. Of yeah, no politics, just from right. an expert point of view. Well, I think uh, first off, what a lot of jurisdictions are doing a great job is they have an officer on campus that, you know, they call him a resource officer, I believe. Yeah. You know, that, I think that's a fantastic option uh, that they've started to outfit a lot of schools with to help respond to the situations. But I'll ask you a question to help answer your question. If I wanted to inflict as much damage as possible into a facility, Am I going to go into somewhere where I know there's a lot of adults that might be heavily armed and stop me? Or am I going to go into somewhere where there's people that are most vulnerable, where I can inflict as much damage and pain upon people as I possibly can? Right. So if yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I, I would answer that with, yeah, you're going to go into a spot where there's children or elderly people or people just trying to do a normal uh, part of life. Yeah, yeah. Like a supermarket thing where you're not thinking, hey, there's gonna be some psychopath that comes in here. It's horrific. Right. So if you got a guy that goes in and tries to pull out a gun in Walmart in Texas and he gets shot 76 times, you know, you know, you're not seeing that to be a, a very uh, big hot spot for active shooters because, you know, people are there to defend themselves, right? Yep. Or if you walk into a Starbucks and you see, uh, hey, no concealed carry on the outside and people decide to listen to that, you know, yes. in order to try and comply, you know, what's going to be, where's gonna, where are you going to be most vulnerable? Yeah. And you know what's funny about that, right? Um, like I said, we're not going to dive too much into the politics, but what I what I think is, is funny about that, you have a, you have a, a strict code against concealed weapon owners coming into your premises. I cannot think of one single time that an active shooter situation started off with a concealed to carry, you know, weapon owner all of a sudden pulling out his legal CCW pistol in the middle of a store and doing damage to people. Because uh, if uh, if you're legally concealed carrying, you've gone through a lot of or you've gone through a lot of red tape in order to do that. You've gone through uh, mandatory training, most likely depending on where you live or what that or what the issuing agency requires, mm -hmm. and you, you take that seriously. And, and first off, we're talking about law-abiding citizens, right? Exactly. Now, if you are, so, you are somebody who has that type of mental health issue or um, evil desire to inflict damage and pain upon a people, are you typically a law-abiding citizen? Probably not. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And if, if you are, you're just you're just taking advantage of a of a technicality for for the moment. You're not you're not going to follow all the processes. And that's why gun laws. I understand why we have some gun laws. I'm not saying that it should be the wild wild west and everybody that wants to have a gun there should be no restrictions or anything. But the thing that I always wondered, like it's like, oh yeah, we're just going to make more gun laws so less people can go and buy them. It's like the people that want guns, unfortunately, are going to be able to get guns. I mean, you can make mm -hmm. them 100% illegal, and they're still going to be guns on the streets you know i mean it's it, to me i think more like you're saying with a strategic proactive approach to those people that aren't going to be law-abiding citizens is kind of what's needed in the world a little more 100 i i think it's a, a culture change that is in, that is actually happening right now because gun control is such a major topic um on on media outlets you've got the left and the right that are really rising up and they're really fighting over this issue right but if we think about those news outlets that are representing the left and right it's a very small faction of society. Mm -hmm. the oh, totally. The middle is much, much, much bigger. And the middle right now is getting pissed, mm -hmm. right? And the middle is having a big conversation. And there's a lot of interest drawing towards just personal protection. Yep. That's why you see all of these laws getting passed around for uh, um, for constitutional carry. Now, 25 out of the 50 United States, or out of the states in the United States. School me to the game. What does that mean, constitutional carry? It means that uh, you can carry without a permit if you're a legal resident. Okay. And that's 25 states now. That, that's that's a lot. That's because there's a lot of interest and a lot of people trying to speak up in order to have this protection. But that's not a part of like the big media outlets, right? Because it's not, not a good narrative. It doesn't spark a lot of fire, which is ultimately what media tries to do, right? Because that, that's what gets me popularity. versus you. Yeah, right. It's always a debate. Debates are debates are popular because you get to jump on a side and yell at the other one. Bingo. Yep. So we have a lot of people that are being drawn towards that uh, that self-defense, uh, that, that interest in self-defense and that are, are going out to try and educate themselves, which is, of course, where we come in.
Me personally, me personally, I, I like that. I like that idea. And mainly, though, just because of a simple root reason on why I like that is because you're exercising a right that's in the Constitution. It's one of the original rights. You know, it's been there. It's been there from the start of time. Whether whether everything we were doing when we started the country was right, I feel like the Constitution, we got it right. We might not have had, had the best morals applied to that Constitution when we started it, but those rights are now being applied and they're being applied in the right way. And I feel like you should take advantage of every single one of them that you can. I mean, there's a reason why we're one of the most successful democracies that's ever existed and why we're still a democracy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think we should take some pride in that for sure. Stick with your values. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Make, make sure you lay them out right and stick with them. Um, so we got into why a school may be one of the most complex place to provide security. But while you're providing security, what would you find the most complex scenario to be? Like you said, you've been a lot of different places through lifestyles you never thought you'd be a part of. What was the most stressful kind of uh, environments for you to be in when you were a part of that uh, private detail? Uh, definitely the most stressful type of environments areas that are, uh, involve a lot of variables outside of your control, right? Just being in the general public where you don't have a, uh, a private facility or a government facility where you're able to, to coordinate with alternate security teams that are already on site that already have procedures in place where you are out on your own, you're on your own, right? Yeah. And that means that, uh, you have to be highly alert and reactive or I'm sorry, and proactive in order to quickly react to anything that's happening around you. It's what we call an OODA loop, right? OODA loop, all right. OODA loop, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're constantly observing and making decisions and making uh, making uh, um, and acting according to those decisions, and that's constantly changing by every new variable that's introduced into the situation. So public is by far the most stressful, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. You've got the most unpredictable circumstances. And there's some crazy-ass people in the public, too, man. Some weird people, man. You better hope you got a client that nobody knows who they are. That's what I was going to that, that That's funny. You uh, like almost like segued my mind perfectly. I was going to say, like, were these clients? Obviously, I know you got to stick to that 55 NDA, but uh, were any of these clients, like, just straight-up noticeable? Like, if I went somewhere, like, I always think of, like, athletes have to be the most noticeable. Unfortunately, I never run into any of them, but I'm always like, man, like, even if you didn't know who Kobe Bryant was right off the bat, like, if you just see some six foot seven dude walking around, even if he's some random guy, he still catches my eye. Yeah, I'm always like, wait, are you in the NBA? No, but actually you're not. And you're just some r- random tall guy. But it's like it, most athletes, when you think about it, you watch them in the NBA and it's like, oh, they don't look that big. But I mean, it's like if you see them out in public with with average height guys, as I like to call myself, um, they stick out like a sore thumb. So were your clients kind of that noticeable or? Uh, I didn't work with clients that were that readily noticeable. Okay. Um, but I did have multiple friends within the company that did have the circumstances and it's uh it's a definitely a different world well it's probably tough because you got so many people approaching them even even with with good intent you know hey let me get a signature hey you're you're a you know an inspiration to me and things like that so i mean that had to be tough well how do you screen out good intent right because you can dress up you can dress up a um an attack any way you want right mm-hmm. so how do you screen out good intent yeah you right can. someone walking up that wants a picture you know does that guy have a gun you know, it does, is that guy that, uh, that, uh, that PR guy who's assigned to that, you know, particular client who's trying to force himself into a room carrying a briefcase. Hey, I need to get him this briefcase. Is that a bomb? Yeah. What's in there? Yeah. Right. So you, you have to be able to try and control as much as you can and prevent as much as you can by making the best decisions possible. That's gotta be nerve wracking, man. Especially when you like, like you're, you're, you could, I could tell you want control of the situation, but you have to like give away that part of your brain. Like I will not have control of the situation. I need to monitor the situation. Control your controllables. That's for sure. And control as much as possible. Okay. I like that. Control your controllables. I haven't heard that one, but that's good. Yeah. Cause I, I think about it. Um, I don't know if, did you make it to the David Goggins experience that we had at Persistence Culture? David Goggins came and he ran four miles with the, with, with, uh, with the gym, uh, during his four by four by 48, um, challenge. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an, it was an awesome experience, but still like somebody like David Goggins, like that place was swarmed with people. Like it was packed. Like you couldn't, I don't know what the fire marshal code was that day, but we were well past (laughs) it. That's for damn sure. But he had, he have, of course had a security detail and I was just thinking like, like, man, uh, like I'm not going to like get into any of the details of how they were, but well before he got there, there was like multiple undercover people that like certain people had to meet with before he would even show up. So, I mean, it was exactly. like a whole thing. But as soon as he walked into that room, I mean, it was like, you know, teenage girls at a Backstreet Boys concert in the 90s. I mean, like they just <laughs> swarmed his ass. Like it's like at that point, you just kind of got to hope, I would imagine. Like, all right, let's hope everybody's here because they like David Goggins. 
Yeah, well, hope to, <laughs> hope it hope plays very little into it. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's you gotta you gotta be on your game, that's for sure. And yes, you're you're correct that you know a, sec- a good security team will try and uh, survey as much as possible in order to get the most information possible in advance uh, in order to prepare. Right. Yeah. Again, control your controllables. How much can I predict, or how much can I can how much can I understand about the environment before I arrive there? And that's what they wanted to know. They wanted to know, like, how many doors to the place there are, which way is he going to come in, which way is he going to leave, where's the restrooms at, where's this at, and all that, at, mm-hmm. all, all the all those things. And I was just like, to me, it was cool. I'm, I wasn't actually surprised because obviously somebody that's that big time is going to have that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was just cool to kind of see it in action, like, damn, this is a big thing. It's actually like it's actually happening. So It's an incredible amount of logistics. And when we when we talk about, like, security teams and executive protection, I really uh, – um, common thing that people mistake is, uh, you know, an executive protection is a bodyguard, you know, or, or I'm sorry, a bouncer, right? You know, you look at some of these guys on these security teams that are five foot eight or, you know, they might be six foot two, but they're not the guys <laughs> that are, uh, you know, just he, there as a human shield. These guys are highly trained. They know medical. They might be incredibly um, um, highly trained in, in firearms and, uh, and responsive techniques. So they might be EMTs. So you've got uh, some pretty incredible people uh, within this industry doing yeah. a great amount of good that are not just there to be a human shield. They're there to kick ass, take names, and get people out safe. Yeah, I and, believe and that not, too. if not, God help, you know? Yeah, that's right. And, and it's funny because typically, you know, you do think of like a big ass dude as a bodyguard. Like when you hear bodyguard, you just picture some guy that wouldn't even be able to fit through the door of this studio, you know? And that's, that's, got, that's got one layer of security. The only thing that that has is uh, command presence, right? That's, yeah. your, that's your first layer of security is, does that guy look scary and do I want to screw with this guy? Yeah. Probably not, right? And that's only going to stop like the main chumps, as I would say, not like the ones that are truly committed to causing bad harm. They don't care, you know, obviously if they got the biggest dude in the room, if you're going to blow up a freaking bomb or whatever your evil ass is thinking. So that's, I think that's cool that um, professionals have kind of transitioned to more of actual, not that those big guys aren't professionals, but ones that are like highly trained, like you said, that have not only like when you said medical response, I never even really thought about that, but it's like, yeah, they basically got to be like, armed emts that's who i would want by my side now that i'm thinking about it yeah armed is uh is uh based upon uh need basis but you know medical um even even when we're talking medical just even for concealed carry medical is the most underthought of thing that uh, a lot of people a variable that a lot of people don't consider is something really important what are you more likely to get involved in than a fire uh, Mm -hmm. than a firefight you're going to need medical. Yeah. I'm, I'm driving home on the freeway a couple months ago. I witnessed a double motorcycle accident. I had to slap a tourniquet on a guy that was bleeding out on the side of the freeway. You did? I did. So, and believe it or not, that was on the way back from a, a gun show, two gun shows ago. Holy right? shit, man. But, but, you know, thank God I got a med kit and I've, you know, had this medical training to know how to, how to stop major trauma. Right. But, you know, I've, I've used medical far more than I've ever Man, had. Good for you for doing a, that though. That's big ups. I mean, yeah. there's, there's tons of people that are necessarily trained. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to stomp in a situation like that. So that just shows a lot about your character. Well, and that, that shows a lot about what, where we should be trying to get to as a society. Why the hell are we not supporting each other and looking out for each other? Yeah. Do you know how many, how many times I've seen a, a fight where people just walk past? I remember I was in London, uh, in, uh, 2014 and I watched a guy drag a chick out of a bar by her hair into the middle of the street. Nah, what a piece of I shit. couldn't rally anybody to go and help me. Wow. Yeah. What, what the hell, right? Yeah. Why, why do we watch violence in front of us instead of intervening? Do you know how easy it is to stop somebody if you've got one or two bodies? Yeah. No, that's all it takes. All it takes is, is, is strength in numbers nine times out of ten. Right. So, again, back to, back to medical. Why aren't we looking out for each other? Why aren't we putting stress on getting trained on things that matter, right? Yeah. Preventing loss of life does not only come down to a gun. No, it doesn't, man. It doesn't. That's like the, that's the last case scenario. Usually that's, you have to take a life to prevent more lives from being taken, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, damn, man, that's, that is, that is really, really cool of you though. And I really want to make sure I, I give you the acknowledgement for doing that because I mean, when you're putting tourniquets on somebody, that's a, that's a saving life moment right there. And I mean, I know that you're not thinking of it that way. You're just doing what you can do to help people, but, uh, definitely big ups for you for doing that, man. The funniest thing was uh, coming home. Uh, I had uh, picked up in and out uh, just before that. I was uh, <laughs> on my way home uh, to, to meet my wife, and I've been gone all day. I walked in the door, and she's like, where the hell have you been? And she <laughs> sees my jeans soaked, with, th- soaked through with blood, and she's like, 
what what happened? And I'm like, it's not mine. It's not mine. Don't worry I'm about it. I'm sorry your milkshake is melted. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We got to stick this in the freezer, but uh, it was an interesting drive home. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's just, uh, that's just incredible. And, you know, we need more of that in the world. And I get to go through, I'm lucky enough that my employer gets to send me through uh, CPR and first aid and things like that. And I just hope that if I ever find myself in that, in that moment that, you know, you can have all this training and stuff, but having the courage to still go and do it is another thing, man. So, so big, big, big props to you for, for doing that. And, uh, not only did you try to keep those people safe and protect them as best as you could after a horrible accident, you're being proactive on that front too and keeping Southern Californians and anybody that wants to come to Gray Firearms Tactical Defense and Training safe with their own firearms in their own home, which is incredibly important. So when did you decide to uh, create and found uh, Gray Tactical uh, Firearms Defense Training? So that's a, that's a pretty cool background story. So Let me hear it. Uh, when I was working in executive protection, um, well, uh, I'll back up and even a little further. So even, even gr- growing up, we had, uh, we had guns in the house. My dad taught me to shoot at a very young age. My dad was, a uh, uh, very proactive about safety, very, very concerned about letting us around firearms, uh, if, unless we were, you know, uh, with him and only with him. That's good. Uh, yeah. So we, we had a good environment when we grew up in terms with firearms. So I, I grew up shooting uh, on occasion, but it was a, a very strict activity, right? Uh, which almost teaches some fear around farms and respect, which is kind of important, right? You, good. Need you should to, be afraid of a gun. You need to be able to, re- you shouldn't be afraid of the gun, but you should damn well respect the there force that okay. it can inflict, right? Right. Yeah. right? Because uh, said. a gun is neither dangerous in and of itself. It's us who makes them dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I grew up uh, around guns. And like I told you, in my first career, I ended up I ended up carrying a gun for my own personal protection for a while. And uh, and then when I got into executive protection, uh, you know, everything just kind of blew up into something uh, a different level entirely. But the reason why I decided to get involved in or, and create this company was because of the people I got to work with when I was in executive protection. The people I got to work with are some of the most talented, highly trained people in the world. These are people that have been deployed all, the, all over the world in different military capacities working under special detachments, You know, whether it be a Navy SEAL or a guy, or a guy in infantry at, uh, that went over to Afghanistan or whatever it might be. You got to meet and, and work with people that have done incredible things, incredible things. And we don't see that day to day, these people that walk around us. Yeah. And I'll get into uh, why I'm proactive in the veteran community later, but um, they, they inspired me and uh, I've, I, I felt, uh, you know, truly honored to be able to work with these people. But one thing that I saw, I've got, I've got more of a mind for business is that there's a lot of people that come home uh, or, or come out of the military and they don't have, an easy transition into society to be able to take those skills that were meant for one purpose to be the most lethal force in the world, right? Which we need. Which so, we damn well need. Yeehaw. Thank right? you for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and translate that to something within the private sector, right? There mm-hmm. are definite ways, right? The, the, the principles that you learn like leadership and teamwork, you know, there's a lot of great um, critical skills that you can learn, Right. But when you're talking about people that have gone so far where it is strictly a combat-based MOS, right? That's mm-hmm. their skill. And I was thinking, you know, hey, we love this kind of stuff. Like, we love to train. And these people are so excited to try and teach people and share their stories and what they've done. And they want to they wanna give that. I said, Let, let's start a place where we can. You know, hey. I love that. Hell let, yeah. Let's get together. You know, me and, and I had a couple close buddies I got to work with. And when you're working with these guys, you're working 12-hour shifts. Yeah, that's And you have some conversations. You know each other's heart and soul, okay? And uh, and uh, you find out just, you know, everything these guys go through. And, uh, you know, uh, I felt truly inspired to try and create an umbrella where we could go and experiment with different curriculums and try and contact and reach people uh, in the civilian sector and law enforcement sector and try to teach them real-world skills that are truly going to keep them safe, build their self-efficacy, their confidence, uh, their and their ability to protect what they love most, whether it's themselves or the family, right? So we got together and we started to create a curriculum. And in doing so, I got to meet more and more people. And those people became my instructors, okay? We've got a whole team full of instructors. We've got guys uh, that have done uh, uh, incredible, incredible things in uh, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, law enforcement, 
And uh, one of the funny things that we did when we were going through our curriculum is when we got together, everybody does shit differently. Yeah. It's, that, uh, yeah. it's funny. When you meet people in the military, everybody everybody knows they're one way and this is the only way. Cause that's You know, that's good. But uh, we got together and we figured out, hey, there's a, there's a lot of different ways we could do this, but let's figure out the best way that's going to translate most to civilian world, right, uh, to help people prepare themselves and become as effective in fighting as possible. And, you know, that can start any, anywhere from our level one class where it just teaches basic firearm safety and handling. Hey, how do I pick up a handgun? How do I make sure it's clear and safe? How do I shoot this effectively? And, uh, and uh, how do I keep everyone around me safe while I'm doing so? Right, that's your level one. I feel class. like that's key right there too. That last part because that's what most people would be scared of. You're in your house with your family members around people that you care about the most. You want to make sure when you have to use it. Not only you know most people know point and pull a trigger to shoot a gun, but how do you do that safely for the people you don't want to get injured while you're doing it? Bingo. So I mean, there's a if you look at some of the gun violence statistics, uh, uh, the a lot of the statistics are inflated with. Um, negligent discharges or accidents that happen in the home or on the range. Yeah, that 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 plays into the gun violence statistics that we're seeing that we're seeing. So how do we prevent a lot of that? And that's through education. So uh, we have uh, in that level one class, the majority of people that come to work with us have never shot a gun before. And some people show up terrified. And uh, we spend the first couple hours, you know, no, no shooting, talking, getting hands on the gun, learning what the different components do how to stand, how to grip, how to pull that trigger properly, and how to aim before you even start uh, slinging lead down range. We build people's confidence and their capability before we start having them chase their rounds while they're under stress. That's Th good. That's good. You know why? Because it, as, as soon as you said that, right, I had a flashback to, to boot camp. And uh, in boot camp, you get people from all different walks of life that have decided to join the military, right? Everybody doesn't come in as this, like, gung-ho badass that is just ready to, you know, go kill the enemy. And I remember this one guy that I was going through boot camp with, and... The first day we got to go to the range, you would think that there would be like this incredible amount of detail to it to make sure that everybody's doing it safely. Um, but this kid, this, I mean, I say kid, but we were all kids at the time. Uh, he, he was nervous as shit of the gun, right? And so, you know, it was like the come to the ready. And when you're supposed to come to the ready, you're supposed to put the firearm out in front of you at your target. And he was, I guess, confused with the amount of commands and he actually pointed the gun up at himself and the range safety officer i'm not sure if that was the technical term but they had like one person per two stalls or whatever and this guy about choked this dude out and put him on the deck and like disarmed the to dislodge the gun from him and like slam this poor guy on the ground and wow. he didn't know what the hell was going on but i, I love that you brought that up because this actually hits a cre uh, key critical point about our culture and what we try and do within our environment there, there is stress inoculation. There will be yelling in higher level classes because that's how we get to build your capability to perform under stress. Yeah. That does not happen in a level one class. That's good. We are here to, first off, make you feel safe. We're here to provide you with trusted individuals who can help build your capability and your confidence so you leave feeling good about yourself and what you can do with a farm. You should leave feeling great about your decision to train in your end an interest to go and buy a farm or train more with your farm in order to become more capable. One of the things I do when I screen out instructors is, uh, and, uh, and one of the things I do that, uh, one of the things we talk about consistently as our existing team of instructors is no ego, none. One of the things that I hated growing up is every time I walked into a gun store, someone treated me like it was stupid. And, and that was, that's pretty that's unfortunate. That's pretty common in yeah. our industry, right? You know, even if you look at social media and YouTube, even, even the professionals, even these instructors, everyone's talking trash on each other. Yep. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. That's not the way to build a community. Okay. So remove your ego. I don't care how many doors you kicked in. I don't care how many people you've shot in the face. I don't care. Yep. These people are here to learn from you and to feel good about themselves. And that's how they're going to leave. Right. And that's one of the things we all align on. Hell yeah. Build capability. So when you come to work with us, it's a good environment. You are part of a community. It's like persistence culture, right? The community is the biggest selling point, not 100%. necessarily these Olympic style lifts, right? Yep. It's the community. So we try to instill the exact, that exact same principle. Come learn, meet like-minded people and feel good. Okay. Hell and, yeah. And preach. Just, that's what we're about, baby. Just so happens. I'm going to teach you to be a very effective killer. 
you know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but, just, that's just a byproduct of what you're going to do. But I, I will also say on that too, we screen students in early, early stages to make sure we aren't training people who shouldn't be trained. That's good. One of the things that a lot of our instructors are very well equipped at is detecting red flags in people, right? I am not going to train someone that is going to go and inflict harm on somebody, okay? Someone who is going to come and train is going to learn that respect early on, and if I see any warning signs, you're gone. You're not training with us, right? So that's also something that us that's in the gun Something that us in the gun industry, I don't care how many how much money you throw on the table, how many classes you buy, we get red flagged, you're out. Yep. Because I can't teach you these skills if it's not for a good purpose, right? And the good purpose is, is to become a very effective, violent individual so you can inflict violence to prevent it, period. Preach. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, and I think the I think the hardest I think the hardest part about it is right. It's a business, right? So you 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 want to you want to monetize it, um, but you have a responsibility behind what you're doing, and that's good because in in a lot of these, uh, not only sports. I mean, obviously, shooting firearms is a sport depending on how you're how you're using those firearms but in a lot of those things like it that those red flags don't get picked up because it's almost seen as a positive trait in in some places not not obviously with gray just because you guys already brought it up like that's part of that's part of like the the fabric that makes up your company which to me is awesome but like you think of uh different type of combat sports and things like that sometimes they want that like kind of uh, asinine character because they think that it'll portray better on uh, necessarily a battlefield or whatever the, uh, the the playing field may be. So that's respectable from you that you actually have a culture that you're trying to maintain at Gray Tactical when they come to take a class, man. 100%. That's really cool. 100%. We, we have a social responsibility, uh, and we take it very seriously. We're teaching people firearms training, right, not just to protect themselves and others and to keep themselves safe and to keep other people safe and safe from the way they behave with the farm, but we're not going to teach people skills that are, are made to hurt other people unless it's to stop the killing, stop the bleeding, right? Stop the attack. Yeah. Right. What but, would you say the, the true mission behind gray is our true mission is to train and equip uh, civilians and law enforcement with the skills that they need for their particular application. Right. And I leave that broad and ambiguous for the reason that I can't determine what your application is. Right. But it's true. When we talk about that and we learn what your goals are, we can help you reach them, right? Like when I'm working with, uh, like if I'm working with uh, certain types of civilians that have a particular job, uh, job skill that they need to fulfill, right? Mm-hmm. They might need a high, higher level of training than somebody who's just going out and getting their CCW. Do you right? get a lot of private sector security individuals and things like that working with you? We get people that do have private sector security jobs coming to work with us. And it's funny, uh, uh, I'm thinking of a particular individual who's also an, an ex-Marine uh, he came into one of our higher level classes and uh, he says, I, out of being in the military and being uh, being in executive protection, I've never had training like this, ever. Wow, I that's saying a lot right there. And that's something that we found that's very interesting. I've heard the same thing from cops, which, you know, raises a lot of questions. It's unfortunate, but it's good that somebody's providing it. It starts an interesting and important conversation. We've heard a lot of this rhetoric about defund the police, right? Yeah, which is, I mean, that's just an asinine argument, but we won't get into, like you said, the politics side of it. Zero politics, but what is important to me is that what you're doing, right, is community service. We need to make sure that you're able to provide that community service, but you're also equipped to go home. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of assholes out there. 100%. We need to to send our guys home safe, our guys and girls home safe. That's important. They need that man, they need that style of training. That also comes down to civilians with CCWs, right? There is a minimum minimum requirement of training in order to carry a, a concealed carry uh, license. Now, I'll, I'll state right off the bat that I don't believe that training should ever be required to carry a concealed weapon because I think that's non-constitutional. But it is damn important. You need to do it, right? Just if you're going to be a responsible citizen. I cannot go out and get my minimum training get my CCW and expect to go defend my life for other people's if I've not been exposed to real stress inoculation, you know, true hard, um, true, uh, true, uh, difficult circumstances to be able to navigate. God, can you imagine being in a shopping mall with all those people around? 
and an active shooter goes on, it's not going to be a calm situation. So I really like how you've kind of hammered home the stress inoculation point. It's it's Um, huge. Yeah, just to get you prepared for a stressful moment. Because anytime you have to use your gun to defend yourself, it's not going to be some chill, like you're sitting at home with some music on, vibing out, and all of a sudden you got to pull out your gun and and it's going to stay that calm and you have to It's not that sexy fantasy that you picture while you're at home. You buy your first gun, you're running around your house and your boxer's like, man, I'm ready to go to work. I'm going to save you. No, yeah, it's not going to happen yourself in the mirror. Right? Yeah, you know, stop. I think I'm like, Will, what, what, what movie is that? Will Ferrell, I think. And he's like, stop. Don't do that. When he gets his first gun or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah good so. luck. You're, you're, pro- you're probably, uh, yeah, you're going to have some uh, bio reactions that you're not expecting. Yeah. Hundred percent. So I, I really like that. That's kind of the, everything that I hear from you from a foundational standpoint. Just sounds extremely sound, and it's really good to hear um, that not only that training going on, but also just right here in our own backyard. Like I said, you're available here to all the Southern California residents that are around here. Um, so you said higher level classes with Marines. You said level one. Why don't you just run through what kind of services Gray actually uh, provides? Yeah, definitely. So uh, we provide pistol, rifle, and shotgun training. And we start on a level basis. So depending on where you're entering our uh, entering our classes, based upon your background, like if I have a cop that wants to start, I'll put them at the appropriate level of class. But if you're starting from the beginning, you can start at our level one classes, whether it's pistol, rifle, or shotgun, and start to climb levels accordingly. I'll I'll, I'll talk about our pistol journey just as an example and figure that rifle and uh, and shotgun are the same. Our pistol uh, level one journey starts off on your basic firearms safety practices and making sure you understand and can perform effectively on the fundamentals, right? That's your your stance, your grip, your trigger press, uh, your side alignment, uh, and your breathing, okay? Then in your level two class, we start to incorporate holsters and magazine carriers, and we start to incorporate in a lot more movement into how you're going to move around a range rather than standing still and shooting at a target. That's going to be absolutely imperative for CCW holders, right? Good luck. You're not going to be standing still. You're not going to be a static static yeah. target, or you're going to eat a bullet, yeah. right? Good luck. You're not going to be able to get shoulder width apart, hand straight out in front of you, get your sight lined in, and yeah. <laughs> you know, I I I I never am going to down somebody for just going to a shooting range and perfecting their fundamentals, right, and standing still. But that's only one factor, right? And that's mm-hmm. our level one class. Our level two class, like I said, holsters and magazine carriers, and starting to get a little bit more uh, movement on the range, and also clearing mechanical malfunctions with the gun. You need to be able to do that without even thinking. Otherwise, that happens and you're under stress. You're going to get tunnel vision. You're not going to know what to do. You're going right? to panic. Yeah. You're going to panic and who knows what happens. So that's absolutely imperative. Level three class starts working around a lot of, uh, a lot of barriers, right? Covering concealment, working on the ground. A lot of people don't think about you're probably going to end up on the ground in a gunfight. If you start to look up some of these statistics, a lot of cops, when they start getting in shootings, they fall over. They fall backwards because they're backpedaling to try and get out of that circumstance, yeah. right? You're probably going to end up on the ground or you don't get to choose your battlefield circumstances, right? You mm-hmm. don't get to choose your fight. You just have to be able to respond to it as is. So we do a lot of groundwork. We do a lot of working around barricades so you can work with disadvantaged shooting positions and targets at different distances. And then we also teach you teach you how to move and shoot, shoot then move, or move then shoot. And try and tell you some of the circumstances that you would need to do in all, any of the three. Sounds confusing when I say it like that, right? Yeah. But what we're doing is teaching you to think. I can't ever tell you this is what's going to happen because I don't I don't know. Yeah. Right? I, there's no way of me being able to predict that. And I have students say, hey, what if this? I'm like, no, no, no. These are subjective circumstances. I'm going to teach you to think. And then I'm going to put you in circumstances where you have to think, and then we're going to evaluate. Okay? And we're going to see what you did. And then we're going to switch it up in you again, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure you improve. So that's your level three level, uh, your your pistol level three class, and we also teach you a lot of moving while shooting practices. Then you go into the tactical level, right? Tactical level level is a, kind of our crown jewel. That's the end of the the basic journey. In between, you obviously have specialty classes like CQB and low light that happen on a, on less regular basis, like once or twice a year that you can get into for specialty oh, so circumstances. You, so you have some specialty courses out yep. there too. That's cool. Yep. We, we are actually doing a low light and night vision class here coming up too soon too. So basically as sexy as you want to get, we've got. Cool. So back into the tactical level class, tactical is about working around an urban environment. What's it like to work around structures, basic doorways, and what does it look like when you have a dynamic range environment where you have to respond and move and get off the X, right? So that's where you start to really learn how do I perform under... A, stress, and under dynamic circumstances, okay? And you can do the exact same journey with a rifle. When you've gotten through both pistol and rifle journeys, 
level one all the way through tactical, you go into our tactical and readiness series, which is our much more advanced style training. That's working with a primary and a secondary weapon system. So we'd equi- you'd be equipped with a rifle and a pistol, and you'd have to learn how to work with both and learn when you would want to transition to that pistol oh, damn, versus that gangster. rifle, <laughs> right? So that's a lot more like that's what you would do yeah, with military or SWAT, yeah. right? And that, that's exactly who we have teach it people uh, teach people that have kicked indoors for a living. That's really cool that you guys have that full spectrum of of services to provide. Where where do you guys provide these services? Does Gray have like a, a specific range that they use, or do you guys use a variety? Glad you asked. Our home base is based out of Piru. We train at California Tactical Academy. Oh, okay. Okay. So I know uh, there's a lot of people here locally that'll be familiar with it. We we like training in an outdoor private range environment. So anytime you take a class with us, you're not going to be lining up at uh, at a shooting bay and just shooting straight. We have private bermed areas that are provided to us by California Tactical Academy, and we train within a controlled environment. You, you sensing a theme here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we pr- so that we we are able to dictate what's happening with our students so we can control the safety measures. Okay. And then of course we also train in uh, Palm Springs, San Bernardino. We've got uh, instructors based out of there, and we also do LA as well. But like That's I dope. said. And we're looking to branch up to Santa Barbara, and we've got a couple classes going up on San Luis Obispo as well. So, bigger, cool. uh, greater Southern California area, we've got you covered. Hell yeah, nice. man! That's dope. And and uh, do you have do you do you have a schedule, or are these services always available? I'm just thinking from from a listener standpoint, there's probably going to be quite a few people interested in how how to actually get a hold of you and actually schedule some range time. No, I appreciate that. So, if you wanted to uh, really learn about uh, uh, the full schedule of services that we offer, our schedules and the rates. You can go to graydefense.com. Uh, gray is spelled G-R-E-Y, defense.com. And then you can see our our, our uh, most up, uh, our, our soonest upcoming classes listed right there on our homepage. Or you can narrow down by the type of platform you want to use, pistol, rifle, or shotgun, or CCW, or if you want to do private. Um, private has actually been uh, one of our biggest tickets items lately because a lot of people don't necessarily want to train in a class. They want to train with their loved ones. They want to train with a group that they're comfortable with, right? So we do public classes where anybody who signs up for that class can attend. And then we also do private sessions where it's strictly uh, you, uh, any, anywhere from one to, you know, as many people as needed. And then we issue the amount of instructors uh, to make that environment safe based upon the size of the group. So, um, and then, of course, if you want to follow our social media, just kind of see, see what we're up to, see what some of the classes look like. We post uh, different uh, videos and pictures from our classes. A lot um, of real cool content, actually, though. I've just been checking it out over the past week or so before you came on the show, and you guys do a great job of, of posting on there. It's really cool, cool stuff. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we got, we've got a great crew of people that take some awesome pictures for us. Um, uh, anyways, the, uh, the handle is uh, Gray Firearms Training. It's spelled like one word. Okay, great firearms training on on the gram, right? On the gram. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I really I really recommend everybody to check it out, and uh, I really recommend everybody to take some kind of course because I think it's really smart. Um, like you said, even if you don't own a gun or you don't think you'll ever want to own a gun, it's good to just know how to safely be around one, how to safely, like you said, disarm one and clear one, even if you never plan on shooting one. It's nice to know if for some reason you are around one and you wanted to safely disarm it. I feel like that's something a lot of people don't think about, and that's why everybody's like, oh, guns, no, keep it away from me, keep it away from me. It's not going to just jump up and shoot you. I had friends uh, growing up, uh, that, you know, I, I can't claim to be, I certainly wasn't present during the circumstances where, you know, someone had sent a bullet through uh, through a home during a Thanksgiving event where it went through, you know, several walls into a, uh, uh, into a dishwasher. Jeez. It's always Thanksgiving, man. It's People always get reckless at Thanksgiving, setting but, the fucking house on fire, shooting guns <laughs> through the dishwasher. You know, especially guys were really guilty of this. Uh, you know, you go over to a guy's house and someone says, check out my new piece, right? And they yep. just hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how to clear that thing? Yeah. You know, if they say it's unloaded, I, you know, for you the love of God, them? don't trust. No, <laughs> yeah. no, you check yourself, please. Yeah. Yep, and, and you also mentioned one point, uh, if, if you don't own a gun, you do not have to own a gun to take our level one classes. You can rent one from the range for 25 bucks. Oh, that's really cool. Yep, so if you're looking to see if you want to buy one, you can go and try them out first, take the class, Get learn what you're doing, yeah. and then go shopping. What about ammunition? Do you provide ammunition or do you have to bring your own? Uh, you can buy ammunition from the range or you can bring your own. Okay, all right. So I do not personally provide ammunition, no. But cool, there's options. No matter how you want to show up, Bingo. you could take care of them. Yes, you bet. 
All right, you guys can take care of everybody at the range. And one thing we do with everybody that comes on the show is they always get one random question from Mambo. And this episode's random question is brought to you by Get Persistence Athletic Apparel. Uh, Please check them out at getpersistence.com. And if you provide us a written review on the podcast within the month of October, you'll be entered into a raffle to win a brand new pair of their new Lux leggings, which are top of the line. So make sure you check them out at getpersistence.com. Leave us that review so you can get entered in for your chance to win. And Colby, here is your random question from Mambo. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh, Ooh well, Mambo goes deep sometimes. Sometimes it's like a quick one. Sometimes it's deep. And I well, think I'm going to ask it for for your company too because uh, you said uh, uh, there's going to be changes to some of the laws too. So is that going to affect the business too? We're always going to continue to. Uh, work with the with the current uh, legal structure in order to provide people with as much training as they can possibly get regardless of what the laws are right uh, of course we're always going to have people comply but we're going to continue to teach right with what's obviously based up with what's legal but uh, to answer your question about five years from now my wife and i are talking about having kids so i'm hoping we'll have yeah to- you should <laughs> nice. man so i'm hoping we'll have a couple kids running around here by then uh but um as far as uh professionally gray firearms training uh, i i have a feeling you'll be seeing us in multiple states we're having that uh, discussion with uh, um, some of our instructors that have moved out of state now so you'll be seeing us uh, growing around the country nice that's great man that's incredible that's incredible thank you you know that's what? that that persistence culture mindset right hell now. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna almost plagiarize that answer because that's how i feel like hopefully this this podcast is going as a as a single entity but also persistence culture um we just we just actually uh got a new branch to our familia so if uh, persistence culture camarillo is listening to this welcome to the fam can't wait to get to meet some of you uh not only here at the yellow table but in front of the yellow wall at the gym too um so that's cool but yeah i'm hoping this podcast keeps expanding um i already got the couple kids running around so i hope that they stay on <laughs> the same track of growing big and, and and being healthy and strong but yeah i mean just I'm, I'm loving the great guests that we get to be on the sh- on the show and yes. if we keep getting guests like yourself and and, and others uh there's no doubt that this thing's uh, sky's the limit how about you mambo five years give it to me uh you know what i do see a lot of uh different uh podcast studios and you know, you see the gym growing, so yeah. I see I see the the media department growing a lot too in the next five years. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited about it, man. You know, one thing I do want to add um, before we end up closing, I just want to make sure I don't uh, I don't uh, miss out on this opportunity. Don't. When you start a business, uh, you don't do it alone. There's so many people that go into it. Uh, like you, you can be at the top of the business and you can be the name and face of the business, but you know. It's the people around you. It really yeah. takes a village. All those people around you encouraging you, you know, giving you love, like, you know, helping you get different opportunities. Mainly my wife, like, you know, geez, that, that woman's a powerhouse, constantly encouraging me, constantly having my back, helping helping me run the operations of the business. But then the people, your friends, the amount of uh, discussion that your friends have to hear you working things out as you yeah. try and get as you obsess over this stuff. So they're your business partners, whether your, they signed up for it or not. They're just not getting paid. Yeah, right? so you, you got to give back to them too. But uh, um, I definitely want to give a massive shout out to uh, my wife, my family. And, uh, and uh, to my friends that have helped me get here to this point because nice. you don't do it alone. Definitely not, man. And like you said, you got to start it with some of your best friends and that opened up some really cool uh, conversations into not only creating your own curriculum, which I think is is really cool, but also just building that brotherhood even deeper, you know, through through the business, man. So it is truly that. Yeah, definitely. You did it. The, you did it the right way, Colby. And. I want to ask you one more thing before you wrap up, just because we kind of touched on the laws and even in going into that random question segment. Um, what do you think about the newest law? I think it's kind of a, a interesting law and I, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. It's like the gun manufacturer law here in California, where now they are liable if I did something wrong with the gun. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. I get it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it because now you can kind of hold, you know, cigarette makers, you know, responsible. But I mean, to me, a gun is a different, to me it's, a, it's a different animal. I mean, they're not making you addicted to the gun, which leads you to go and kill somebody like a uh, cigarette manufacturers, which are trying to make you addicted to it. Yep. Um, so I'm interested what your perspective is on that one. Well, um, I got to say uh, just even that, that type of discussion happening right now, even politically is very sad to me. Um, for one, guns are legal, right? And if you if you abide uh, by the laws when you're uh, looking to buy a gun or how you decide to own a gun and make sure it is legally compliant to wherever you live. And 
why would a manufacturer be held liable if not for an agenda in order to bankrupt the gun industry to give more control over what's available and what's not? Is it fair for me to sue a, 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 a an alcohol company because I got drunk and, and, and got a DUI? That didn't happen, but I'm prov- providing an example. Yeah. Right? Is it fair for me to sue... You know, McAllen, because I drank scotch and I dropped a hammer on my toe. That that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's right? a, yeah, that's what I feel about the situation. First off, this is a capitalist society, right? That's what that's what runs. I'm thankful are. that it is. I mean, right. I love it, but it's like, yeah, this is a capitalist society. We we thrive based upon business, right? Basic economy, uh, basic uh, basic econ- economic principles here. Right, you provide the goods and services. Somebody says thank you. Right, they yeah, take if those, they want it, they pay what you ask. Right, they take those goods and services. Right, not for you to provide them a service, but because you're doing it out of self-interest to grow your entity. Right, yeah, and that's why capitalism works. Right, because it is ultimately self-serving by meeting the uh, meeting the needs of the public or mm-hmm. to your clientele in order to grow your business. Right, the fact that somebody would try and attack a business with tied up with something so emotional as a mass shooting is yeah. only for one thing, and that's an agenda to try and shut it down. But what people don't think about is, yes, there are things in society that need to change in order to prevent these violent uh, circumstances from occurring, but it is not the availability of guns. It is culture. Yeah. It is how we think and how we deal with guns, and also how the average civilian is prepared to encounter a situation like that, right? We saw... Very sad videos recently where law enforcement was having a difficult time entering into a school building while there was multiple shots going off, right? Yep. That's law enforcement. Let's talk civilians, right? Let's talk general culture. Are we prepared to look out for each other? Are we prepared to defend ourselves? And this goes back to serving each other in the community. Are we going to look out for the greater good? Are we going to protect ourselves and protect each other, right? 100%. So I I have to say... Don't jump on the bandwagon. Don't don't yeah. feed into these ridiculous narratives that are made to only create fire and and division. Right? Let's stand together. Yeah, I agree. Educate yourself in any form that it is. A, educate yourself on anything you vote before and make sure you have a, a, a damn good reason before you vote either way for something or against something. Right. Um, but yeah, and if you're if you're scared of guns, educate yourself and, Bingo. and do it at Gray Firearms Tactical because they got the right mindset after talking to you, man. It's been great getting to know you. And uh, let me, I got, I got a quick you. question. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, earlier about how law enforcement and a lot of military people are very surprised in your, in your training techniques. And you mentioned the video that uh, law enforcement was struggling to go in when the shooting was happening. Do you think uh, that's part of the problem, the training that we give our military people and our law enforcement people? Well, I'll say, I'll say this. I, like I said, I was not law enforcement or military, so I can only speak from speculation. Okay. Uh, but what I understand is that uh, the majority of military uh, and the majority of law enforcement are not trained for those particular applications unless it is a specialty unit, right? right? As in, as a general populace, right? You know, a lot of people come to us that say, hey, I was in the military, I know how to shoot a gun. You know, that doesn't tell me anything. You know, what did you do in the military? Were you a, a mechanic on an airplane? Like, what did you do? You you shot a gun in boot camp. Great. Yeah. Yep. 100%, <laughs> right. dude. That's like 90% of people that Every, were in Everybody the thinks that, oh, yeah. because you were a cop, you were in SWAT, you were kicking down doors. Everyone thinks that, oh, I said I was in the military. That means I went to Afghanistan. I shot Osama bin Laden in the face. Or, I got I hope, uh, not in Afghanistan. Got, yeah. my, got my geographies mixed up there. But anyways, you get the point. You got to think about the general populace and the training that they're getting. Yep. Okay. If law enforcement is the first people to respond to the site and they don't have the training, but SWAT does, but SWAT's going to get there how much later? Right. That, that, then, that's the point I was trying go, to make. Yeah. Then the general populace in law enforcement, their training needs to come up. And it's not necessarily a fault of law enforcement, right? Because their, their job is to police the community. Their job is not to not to be responding to these com- combat environments all the yeah. time, right? But the world outside here is changing. So we need to embrace that change and recognize what it is and rise up to meet it. Otherwise, we're going to continue to be victims, right? Yeah. So if we're going to have these circumstances, the average responding law enforcement officer needs to get that training, right? But you know what that requires? Funding, support, mm-hmm. right? So 
if we want them trained like that, we got to stand behind them, right? None of this, none of this division bullshit, right? Agreed. And, and and again, if you if if you're in the military and you're going to go kick in doors and you're going to be in a special detachment to learn how to do that, not everybody in the Navy is a Navy SEAL. Nope. Not everyone <laughs> in the Marines is MARSOC, right? Yeah. Not everyone in the Army is an Army Special Forces guy, right? Hundred yeah. percent. There are particular people that have that that level of training. Right, because those are the people who are made to respond to those environments. So, if you're going to be a general populace that's responding to these kind of environments, we need to help elevate that them to that level too. But that also comes down to us, yep. right? How long does it take for law enforcement to get to your door when you call them? Five to seven minutes if you're lucky. If you don't live in a, if you don't live in a, an outside uh, outside of the a city. less serviced area, right? yeah, you live in the ghetto. It's going to take you about twenty five to thirty minutes if they even come. Bingo. Then who's it? Then then who does that responsibility fall on? yourself damn right you got to worry yourself, about yourself yourself and if you're if you're waiting for anybody to come get you you're already behind you're already, you're already behind yeah it's like the right? simple thing like when you go to a job site right what's the first thing any good job site's going to tell you is safety is everyone's mm-hmm. responsibility put your own damn safety glasses on put your own damn hard hat on you know just because i don't have a sign mm-hmm. up doesn't mean that you get a free pass if something falls and and busts you on the head and you don't have your hard hat on Bingo. it's your responsibility so mom but i'm also going to say that i'm probably one of the biggest law enforcement supporters here and I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the military, but I also am a huge supporter of making sure to get them what they need. Yeah. Yes. Right? I mean, support. Not stand yeah. in the way because it doesn't look good from the outside. Screw yeah. that. I don't, I know you said uh, you were going to touch on it later and I don't think we got to it, but, uh, uh, I think supporting even after they get out of the military, I think that's a big, yeah. a big issue too. I mean, it's, it's cool that, uh, there's a lot of programs, but I have a lot of friends who, you know, I know the programs are out there, but a lot of these cats get out and they're, you know, they don't know. Like they, they're, it's like, uh, I have friends who, who do good. I have friends that do bad. Uh, I have friends that I haven't seen in like 10 years who came out of prison and it's like, they trip out on the phones. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like updating them and giving them, uh, information. How are we helping people assimilate into society? That's, that's, right? that's no matter yeah. where, no matter where they come from. And if we truly do support, uh, you're, like you're talking about our military, if we truly do support our military, then we need to make that transition easy for them, not just while they're in there and you know packing guns and yeah. looking sexy, yeah. right? You know the uh, um, veteran suicide rate is horrific. If you want to look up those stats, I'll leave that to you because I I don't want to misquote any statistics, but we can all do a part in that. And if we're all going to send them overseas to fight for our asses, you better believe that you better be there to help them, you know, get back when up they on get their back. feet when yeah. they get 100%, back. One hundred percent, man. And you know what? Great, great firearms training defense. Uh, if you if you need a you need a home to come park at and just uh, hang out with some good people, we're here for you. Hell yeah, that's good, man. You got to support the veterans and you got to support the the police officers, not only in your local community but all all across the globe, man. Yes. All across the globe, and you can't get hung up on negative news and always vet your information, man. And I hope that you do spread great tactical, not only just here in SoCal but to other states and stuff, man. Because you're very you're very well spoken. You you can tell that you're knowledgeable and you want to set the right culture and the right attributes to people to uh, protect themselves and the ones they love, man. And that's what we need and more protection to each other. So, Colby, it's been an honor getting to have you on the show, brother, and it's been nice chopping it up with you, man. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you having me. Definitely. Thank you so much, Colby. And uh, make sure you guys give us a follow at Persistence Culture. Keep moving.